To support this podcast, go to positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Any amount is appreciated. Once again, positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Thank you and enjoy the program. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by PB and Joey. Simple, honest, and delicious. Go to pbandjoey.com for more information. Plus, $35 or more gets you free shipping. $35 or more free shipping. Go to pbandjoey.com for more information. pbandjoey.com. The secret's out. Jay here, PositiveSarcasm.com. What secret am I talking about? No, not that one. That's actually not a secret. Although many have claimed and some have attempted, but they all have failed. Streaming live from the Spare Parts Studios. What's the matter with me today? Do I sound like I'm in a rush? A rush concert, maybe. Modern day more your meme stride. Today's Positive Sarcasm. Okay, anyways. I'm going off track here. Jay here, PositiveSarcasm.com. Shoot my mouth off as always. What is that on the floor? Oh, that's right. Nothing, because I am a, uh, I'm a clean freak. There's absolutely nothing on the floor. Nothing. Not even carbon. Uh, I guess I'll be... Hold on. Coffee. Streaming live on twitch.tv slash positive sarcasm one and facebook.com slash POS sarcasm. Should I put my feet up? Yes, I think I should. Without spilling my coffee? Yeah, I am that talented. Let me bring this microphone down here. There we go. It's like I was giving head to Shaq there for a second. Got to lower this thing to my standards. I got to belittle my microphone, and that's how I lower it. Like it's self-esteem. Like my self-esteem. Mm. Somebody asked me yesterday why I feel it necessary to just shoot my mouth off for an hour every Wednesday. Uh, I feel it's, a, and I told them plainly, it's a great way for me to empty my head of all the crazy and all the thoughts and random things that are in my head so that new stuff can grow in its place. When I was in, I'll discuss the secrets out thing for a minute in a minute, but it's like when I was in the, when I was in the, uh, when I was in Mirror Woods in California, they, certain sequoias and redwoods, they will burn the inside of these trees. And when they do that, they can regrow and replenish nutrients in their place because these trees can grow cancers and other things like that. So they burn the trees and you can actually see the ash of these trees, uh, inside these trees, like big spots. Like you would think like, oh my God, this thing's going to go up in flames. But when in reality, it's, it, they're just, they're doing it for, for conservation purposes. So by doing this every Wednesday, cause mostly I'm a pretty quiet guy. I don't say much during the day. Uh, I, I mostly keep to myself. Um, especially at when I'm at events and stuff, I generally don't say much. Uh, I'm more more focused on getting the shot correctly. Here, though, on the podcast, unless I have a guest who has something important to say, it's just full spit. I just fire off everything that's in my head, whatever uh, articles I'm thinking of, whatever counter arguments I have for certain things, or if I have to say, like, Comcast fucking sucks, then I'm going to come in here on the podcast and say, Comcast fucking sucks. And I'm going to say, compared to Delta, Delta is an awesome company that I absolutely love, and their freaking flight attendants are fantastic, their pilots are their shit, and Comcast blows dick. So, I can come in here and say it, and not care whatsoever, because it's the absolute truth. So I feel it necessary for me to burn off all the dead wood that's in my head so that new, healthier stuff can grow in its place. So this is my, quote, purging every week and maybe twice a week in the future. I don't know. We'll see how this works. But if you want to hear my purging, 
you can go on you can go on twitch.tv slash positive sarcasm one for the live stream, facebook.com slash POS sarcasm for the live stream. You can go to positive sarcasm.com also for the live stream, where you can go and support the podcast too. Any amounts appreciated. Sippy the coffee time. Cafe Bustello is back in the house. Almost paradise. Oh, it's actually diner coffee, but it's still good though. Mmm. Drinking it all black. <laughs> I'm not gonna follow that towards bitter, bitter end. Um, you can also find me on Instagram at positive underscore sarcasm, and you can also find me on facebook.com slash positive sarcasm as well as my personal page. I treat it like my professional page, like I'm even professional at all, but, uh, the mirror woods thing. Okay. So I talked about that. Yeah. The secret's out. Secret is out. The reason I went to San Francisco, I was contractually obligated. I was contractually obligated not to say anything until the video had been dropped on YouTube and shown to the family of the bride and the groom. <gasps> Somebody got married! Who got married? Well, back in the day when I was basically going to be homeless again for the third or fourth time, I forgot to keep count. I haven't been homeless since. My friend Beth, who also used to be my property manager about 34,000 years ago when the dinosaurs still roamed the fucking planet. Wait, that was 64 million. Sorry, I got my history mixed up. Um, She was my property manager. I've known her since I was 23. And then she offered me a place to stay until she was looking for a house. I was looking for, well, anything, basically. Anything that was clean. And uh, not any woman that was clean, but any place that was clean. And she offered me a room and stuff like that. And eventually, it turned into not what you see today. My place. My studio. My stuff. And she moved on and met a... Not moved on from me, but then again, I won't blame you if that was the case. But no, she... Ended up meeting a dude. His name is Will. You can go check it out. Go to uh, go to YouTube, Positive Sarcasm, or go to PositiveSarcasm.com and check out the my vlog page there. And you can see Hitch and Ride, the latest travel vlog that I did that, that got me. I ended up somewhere in northern San Francisco to shoot a wedding in the woods. And I'm going to explain how we were able to pull that off as well as we did. No thanks to me. And... She ended up finally getting married, and I'm very happy. So congratulations to Beth, as she doesn't already know it. Um, that was a lot of fun. So how do we pull it off? Number one, Beth got married. Great. Number two, how? Well, everybody knows that one of the bitches about getting married is all your fucking family tries to tell you what to do and what to buy and what kind of dress doesn't make you look fat and what kind of kiss and where are you going to have the event and all this other bullshit that makes you want to put a Glock in your mouth and blow your fucking brains out. Really, Jay? Suicide jokes? That's where we're going this early in the podcast. Hey, you know what? Don't watch. But you can listen. Go to iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, Podcast Addict, Tune.in, everything. I'm everywhere and nowhere, like a smith from the Matrix. Morpheus. And so we got there. She's like, I don't want to tell anybody that I got married. I don't want the secret to be out until after we drop the video. So she hired me on to go over there and do everything, including be a witness. So I'm like, yeah. So you heard that I went to San Francisco and uh, I was too busy staring at Teslas and Mustangs the whole time, but you didn't know why. Well, this is why. So they wanted to get married in the woods. 
not just any woods, not like just, you know, regular woods, but Mirror Woods. Mirror Woods is a national park filled national park filled with uh, giant sequoia trees and super skinny pencil dick, super long California redwoods. Super cool place. We're talking some ancient shit. So I was there. And the thing is, though, is everything in fucking California, you need a permit. You want to go to the woods? You need a permit. You need to park? You need a permit. You need weed? Well, that's free. Uh, except unless you're going to pay for it. It's fucking expensive. You know how much a, a weed brownie is? Jesus Christ. Like $22 for a brownie. I can go mix up a batch of brownies right now for like 10 cents. The secret ingredient is going to cost me a lot of money, though. So to get a permit, you get, you know, like anything else, if you want to get married, you need a permit. Okay, so you sign the necessary paperwork. All right, that's no different. But to go into Mirror Woods and hold a ceremony requires a permit. So, what did we do? Well, we already had the, the permit to go into the woods and explore, which is stupid. Just to park. She had to buy like two tickets to park. It was like $75 or something ridiculous. So, we go in there, and her plan was to basically hit and run. Get hitched and run. See where I came up with that? So we did. She found a couple spots. This was all her doing, okay. And Will, of course, and you know, I don't want to disclude Will, but I know Will a little bit, and I know Beth a whole lot. And so she picked out a couple spots. He concurred. We decided to go with option one, which is actually closest to the front, but kind of is on a path that was halfway through was blocked. So we decided that would be a good idea. Um, I needed, I would need about two to three minutes to get set up for all the cameras and about, let's see, about five to 10 minutes because ceremonies are super short. If you've ever been to a wedding, which I'm pretty sure you have, they're pretty damn short. The ceremony itself is like nothing, you know, couple vows and then, you know, what the master of ceremony says and that's it. The MC, chicka, chicka, uh, so they went over it over some faux at a restaurant somewhere in Oakland or Berkeley. They cut it down to like a, uh, about a minute or two of what the master of ceremony says. Then she says her piece. He says his piece. We did it in a, in, a, in a certain amount of time where nobody would be suspecting that somebody's getting married without a permit in their freaking woods. There's nothing they could do about it. What are they going to do? Send her a fucking fine from California? going to wipe her ass with it and fucking send it back in the mail. First class, mind you. Um, so glad I have Bustella back in stock. This is like hyper coffee. And so, all right. So it it's still a public area, which means people can still walk up even though half of the trail is closed off. So she found a tree that was perfect. She found a tree. They exchanged, were exchanging vows. And as they were in the middle of exchanging vows, uh, his part mostly, as he was coming up on his part, and you can hear it a little bit in the video, but I cut a lot of it out. Not him. He's all in there. There was a Spanish group coming up the staircase. And I'm like, okay, so I'm holding two cameras. I'm holding a camera which you actually don't see any footage from. There's three cameras surrounding me. Two GoPros and one Nikon sitting behind me. They're all perched up staring right at center space. And then me, of course, with two cameras. My primary camera is aimed dead at the couple in the master ceremony. The one on the left-hand side is aimed at, well, it was until these people started walking up the stairs. And I'm not going to be polite. 
I'm gonna and I can't say anything. I can't snap my fingers. I have to wait till they visually see what I'm doing and then stop. At least I would hope they would stop. Some people just don't continue. They don't even bother looking both ways and across on the sidewalk. They they're they're chatting away. I see them and hear them, and then I just put out my hand. I literally do a fucking Heisman. As they see what I'm doing, I literally just, with while I'm holding a camera with a gimbal stabilizer in it, I put my hand out like this. I look at them. I'm still pointing, using my right hand to point the camera at the couple as they're exchanging their vows because I really wanted the audio. The audio needed to be as clean as possible, and it was a really, really quiet day in Mirror Woods, so the sound that I got was near crystal. I could have added... um. Next time, I think what I'll do is I'll add a uh, ambiance or a noise level reducer through Audacity to make the sound uh, even cleaner. But this time, actually, I was actually quite impressed because there was also underlying music, and I want to talk about the music really quick too. While uh, so it kind of dr- the underlying music drowned out a lot of the ambient uh, noise, which is like white noise, if you you know. So. I got this going on right here, and then I got this this Spanish group here, and I put out their hand, and they saw what I was doing, and I literally just went like that because I can't say anything. And I did it. They stopped, and they honestly they waited while he was doing his thing, and one and then when they w- decided they were not going to do anything, they were just going to stand there and millie until it was done because they realized they were witnessing witnessing something beautiful, something magical. They decided, cool, we're going to fucking wait. Now there was originally two couples. There was an Asian couple that came up, and I thwarted them off with my Jew magic, and they went packing. And then the Spanish couple came up, and I said, yo, halt. (laughs) So they got the hint, but they hung around because, you know, they're getting a free show. So finally, the big moment's about to happen. I'm already envisioning in my head. No tears from my eyes because, you know, I'm on the job. Um, it happens, the big moment, it looks good, great, and then I decide, okay, turn, uh, put down the camera, I say, I walk over to the, the group, I say, thank you, thank you so much, they say congratulations, which is what you're supposed to do, and then we literally, I grabbed all three of my cameras, threw them in the bag, and we bolted right out of the freaking parking lot, and nobody suspected anything that was going on. There was a group there getting one of those tours. These trees are 64,000 years old. This park opened in 1624 when black people were less of a human, according to... (laughs) I just obviously... Well, if you look at the times, we weren't fond of people. All right, so... we I got to be careful because the Shane Gillis thing that... But... So, anyways... (laughs) You know where I'm going. You know where the fucking context is. Context is. Don't take it out of context. So we were heading our way out, and we gra- jumped in the car, took some pictures, and bolted. And I'm in the. I'm also at the whole time. I'm sick as well. I'm sick as shit. The uh, the fucking master of ceremony is missing a finger from a tree trimming accident. Uh, Beth is sick. The groom is sick. It's just it's just a, a an AIDS mess. But we still pulled it off. Pardon the AIDS joke. I know we were in San Francisco. Really, Jay? AIDS jokes, too? You're just a terrible human being. That's true. Uh, And that's why my subscribers love me. So, that being said, I did want to talk about the music. So, 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 so. Hold on. So, 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 Drink a cup of coffee. Mmm. Bustello. Available in the yellow package. 
So we were, she wanted a specific song. She's like, can you fit it in anywhere or something? And she sent me the song. It's a song called Lauv, or the, the group is, or the singer is called Lauv, L-A-U-V or Lauv. I didn't bother to look up how you pronounce it because I didn't give a shit. And to be honest, the actual song is fucking terrible. Like it has, it doesn't go up. It has no crescendo. It doesn't climax. It's, you know, it's the whole song felt like a porn with the money shot cut out of it. It just wasn't, it didn't do anything for me. But you know me, I'm a remix master. And I went and found remixes on YouTube. A good one of this song that has a little more pop to it. That really gives um, an appropriate feel to what was going on in the video. So what I did was, because I'm awesome. So I capped it off. The beginning starts with the remix of this song, which really gives some nut to the whole video. And it ends with it. But in the middle is where I need that music that's a little more, it gives some emotion to what's actually taking place. So like a smart, interesting person that I am. Yes, I'll pat myself on the back for this. I took the song, put it in Audacity, and I stretched it out to the point where I I call it, um, it probably has an actual name, like an actual sound engineer name, but I call it Digital Stretch Marks. So basically what I did was I pulled the freaking song apart, like slowed the tempo down to the point where, you know, like, like mozzarella cheese. I pulled a certain segment out, which was like 10 seconds long, and I pulled it apart till it was like a minute and a half to the point where you could literally see like the song, you could hear the song almost struggling to hold itself together. And it was a low-pitched song that every once in a while changes tone, but at the right times it sounded so good. And it has this reverberating audible noise to it that our audible noise it's noise you can hear it that you can kind of you can cl- you can clearly hear and as it's reverberating or wah, it kind of changes tones where it still has the identity in some way shape or form to the actual song that i was using but really clearly stretched out and then looped and blended and that's how I was able to quietly put that in the background where it was perfect. I didn't have to go out and look for a different song and inject a different song like I've done before. I literally did the entire video from beginning to end with no interruptions of one song and one song only. And it was perfect. And it, I was able to cut through all the bullshit on this wedding, on this more wedding vlog than travel vlog and cut through the bullshit and able to actually get to the, the meat of it all within five and a half minutes and then close out the show at around six with a couple things and then be done with it. And you have to take into account when you make a vlog like this, a wedding vlog mostly, uh, you do have to cater to an open audience, having more of an open audience and then the story that you want to tell. But when it comes to couples, they do have little trinkets in there that they want for personal reasons, whether it's a personal joke or whether it's a, a, a thing that happened in their life or something like that. And you leave those little trinkets in there. Like the turkeys thing. There was like there was a joke about turkeys and there was other little stuff. And you can kind of put them in here. You can kind of put them in certain spots if they matter, if it's kind of a throwaway thing. And it helps personalize the video so that they don't feel like they're just objects in the, the vlog, that they're actually being catered to truly, um, especially high-paying customers. Or just, well, actually, you know what? Just any customers. It doesn't really matter, high-paying or whatever. Just... You, if you have a good story to tell, you want to tell to the best of your ability, and you also want to leave the, you know, those little 
personal trinkets in there as well. And the the group appreciates that. I do too, because it's stuff that I laughed about, I thought mixed really well, and therefore I added it. Uh, but I'm, maybe I'm stretching too far on that point. But there is something to that. So, let me bring this around a little bit. So I did it all with one song. We got it. We basically had a venue for free, sort of. I mean, we paid to get in. We didn't pay to get married there. I didn't get married, obviously. Probably never will. Um, spent enough money as is. And was able to do it with one song by just by stretching it out. And it was perfect. And the way it blended into the original song by speeding it back up towards the end, you didn't notice it. You didn't notice it. You got right into it. It just had the right tone at the right level. In, out, done. It was really, I enjoyed it. And personally, it was one of the cleaner vlogs, and definitely one of the cleaner wedding vlogs that I've ever done. It was patched together much more tightly, less mistakes, less things I could have done differently. I'm sure when, six months to a year down the road, I'm going to look at that and go, I could have done that so much better. I did that. I'm doing that with week 98. I'm doing that with Der the Derek and Sagda and the wedding vlogs in general and older vlogs in general. I look at stuff that I did a year ago and I go, that fucking sucks. I could have done it so much better. But I'm like, hey, I was learning. Or I could have said that better. Or I could have done that. That's fine. That's part of the learning process. I look at vlogs like um, stuff that I did week 50, week 40, week 30. I'm like, that was dog shit. I don't even want people to see it. I don't. I don't want it shared. I don't want it looked at. Almost like it never existed. But to contrast and compare, it's important that that stays public and that stays out there. Especially when you look at my first vlogs, my first 20. It's like, good God. How did you... Ah, Don't know, but I did it. Two years, no two, three years, no editing experience whatsoever. None. Did not know how to edit video at all. Just went through it. Just fucking rah, and got after it. And then I learned what works best for me with the money I had, with the tools and stuff, software I had available to me. Made it work. Cool. That's all you got to do. And then the wedding stuff, you learn how to make it better. Your first couple aren't going to be that great. Thankfully, this one was well-received. But the most part, it really just needs to be really well-received by the super immediate family, but mostly by the couple. And if the couple falls in love with the video, because in my opinion, and I think my opinion holds water, when you do a wedding, the videographer is second. The videographer is optional. The photographer is always number one. The photographer is priority. The photographer is mandatory. And the photographer should always command the most money, period. If a photographer wants to charge $500, $1,000, $2,000, that's their business. It depends on what their level is, what they normally do, what they, prints they offer, and what have you, whatever their package is. Photographer always gets first dibs on everything. That's how it will always be. I'm not a photographer. I can take pictures, but I, I'm cheating because I'm using a mirrorless camera. Okay, you could just, all you gotta do is point and shoot and it comes out great every time. But, and it, editing is fucking simple. But with photographers, they're just whole different cats with completely different mindsets. And the thing is, you can't hang a video on the wall. You can hang a picture on the wall. You can hang all kinds of shit on the wall. But you can't hang video on the wall. Just doesn't work that way. So, photographer always gets first dibs on every shot. If photographer wants you to move, at an event, you move. If you're at a wedding and you're trying to get a shot and the, and the photographer wants that shot, you move. 
No questions asked. You get the fuck out of the way for the photographer. Because the last thing you want to do is piss off the photographer. Because the photographer also plays, if there is a photographer, which there normally is, the photographer also will normally play wedding coordinator. They'll work alongside the wedding coordinator or they will instruct the bride and groom or whomever else to move along to certain locations so they can do certain things. So they do coordinate, for the most part, a lot of the things that go on at these weddings. So when they're playing photographer and coordinator, yeah, you need to, as a videographer, for the most part, stay out of the way. You'll get your shots. I mean, this one, this one... I was lucky enough because nobody was around. It was really quiet. I was able to get my camera right in on the action and get all of uh, everything that the master of ceremony said, everything that Will said, and everything that Beth said. And that's what made, for the most part, made the video. Really did make the video. It gave depth and it gave uh, plot and substance to the middle of the video. Because a lot of times these wedding videos that you see, there's no substance. There's, there isn't any of that. And, and the music fucking sucks and it's elongated, and it just doesn't resonate with people just seeing a, a, a video for the first time. I mean, so the way I do it is I try, to, I try to get into the story as quickly as I can. If there is humor to be had, I use it. If there, um, yeah, if there's humor to be had, I use it. But for the most part, you want to try, if I'm part of the story, then I include myself. But for the most part, I don't. If I can keep myself out, I keep myself out. Now, normally, yeah, you wouldn't, normally you wouldn't expect a videographer to actually be in the friggin' video. But then again, I'm a vlogger. I'm a YouTuber. So I'm in it. I'm part of the story because they needed a witness to fly 3,000 miles across the country to be in the video. Not to be in the video, to shoot it. So that's part of the story. And that's an important part of the story because if there's no witness, there's no wit. There's no wedding. So, of course, I'm an integral part of the story, but not enough to take over the story. But, interesting enough, I have certain moments where I do include in the ceremony where it makes it sound interesting. But, for the most part, I really do want to focus on just the bride and groom. The master ceremony gets a great part in it as far as basically narrating it. Narrating it as far as just being there and saying his words in the beginning. It was perfect. I mean, it really did, for the most part, for... With the, oops, with the exception of being sick and having a tight spot to shoot the wet, to do the wedding at, I mean, it actually went off quite well. Found the spot, I got set up, we shot the thing, I blocked the group, they said I do, and that was it. I packed right up, grabbed my shit, threw in a bag, we got out of there. Came back, landed at 12 o'clock at night. No, not landed at 12 o'clock. Got home around 11-ish. Edit, immediately started editing the next day. Had it done by Friday night. And then showed it to the family on Sunday. Showed it to the bride and groom the day before. I told them the whole... They wanted a picture to tell everybody. And I'm like, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm like, don't you want to wait until... Don't you want to wait till the morning when this thing could possibly be done? And then you can review it? And thankfully, it was better than they expected. It's a big deal to me because there's many avenues I'm trying to go down to try to, you know, advertise this podcast or, or this podcast or this or this or my YouTubing or editing experience or whatever. And this is these are oddly enough, this is one of the things that just happen to come up. And it, it's starting to show its head a little more 
than I definitely anticipated. And I'll keep going down that road because I actually like doing it. I like this positive stuff. I do. I actually enjoy shooting this stuff. And I get to shoot my way. That's the thing I really like. For the most part, when I do any of these episodes, or if I'm doing an episode for Hero Pups, if I'm doing a concept for myself or for another place, I mostly get to put in my angles, my concepts, my type of run and gun vlogging style. I get to do that. And like if you were to hire, you know, Tarantino, Scorsese, Michael Mann, they all have their own way of shooting. I have my own way of shooting. And it could be for many reasons. It could be due to to lack of uh, lack of tools for the job or lack of access to certain areas. So we make it work. And then you milk that fucking situation for all it's worth and you come up with stuff like that. So congratulations to the bride and groom. It was awesome. You can go check it out. Go to YouTube and just look up Positive Sarcasm. It's called Hitch and Run. Uh, it just came out. It's in the travel vlog section if you don't see it. Uh, droning in San Francisco is a breeze. It's an absolute breeze. There's so many places you can go. There's uh, along the Mill Valley up in northern San Francisco. When you go across the Golden Gate Bridge, once you get pa- away from the Golden Gate Bridge, there is a ton of places where you can just kind of go out and just, you know, send up the bird. And there's some great scenery if you're a recreational flyer or if you're a 107 flyer. There's plenty of places to go and do that. There was one place where I went to uh, called Strawberry Manor, and I got to see all of the Mill Valley basically. Uh, I got to see a crime in progress at a uh, Alco gas station um, where there was about a half a dozen cops. And I could hear, it was morning time, um, them yelling at the guy, show me your hands, show me your hands. And then I was flying, the bird was in the air at the time, I think. So I just kind of did a quick panic shot, which you can see in a little PS glimpse that I also threw up there uh, for like a hot second. You can see the highway coming out of, uh, in the middle of Mill Valley of a bunch of cops uh, at a at a gas station. I didn't fly over there because you're not supposed to do that. But I was flying on the other side of the highway. It was perfectly fine. So. Mm. So, I did talk about Comcast really quickly. How they suck. No, not how they suck. The fact that they do suck. So, here's the thing. Um, Alright. I had a conversation with Comcast the other day because I got a let I got a bill in the mail for ninety fucking dollars. I don't have any TV at my house. I don't need super fast internet. This is a hundred megabit per second home. 100, 150 megabit maximum. And we all know that Comcast Xfinity throttles their shit. Okay, so we're not actually getting the, the speed that we pay for. We don't. And yet, time and time again, they've update they've upped their prices on me twice okay one in just internet for 90 freaking 90 something dollars a month and if you live in a city oh i i'm so sorry my heart goes out to you because then they charge the shit out of you even more but you know when when i when i take pride in building an empire out of spare parts i don't want to have to every time i'm making a little bit more it has to go to some giant corporate company that doesn't give a fuck about existing customers and that's the thing there was four and i screenshotted it four different plans some a little bit lower some a little bit higher some exactly the same four different plans all of them considerably lower than the plan i have as far as price goes so if you're a brand new customer you can go out and get 100 megabit per second high speed internet plus 10 channels for 39 dollars a month plus fees so then you'd be 50 bucks a month or a little bit lower for 29.99 a month 
plus fees. But me, because I'm an existing customer and I've been paying for those fucks since like 2017 or something like that for a couple of years. Oh, because after two years, um, I have to pay $90. I'm an existing customer. And if I cancel, I have to disappear for two months, not go back to Comcast for two months. Now, could I go to another place? Well, HughesNet sucks. HughesNet only gives you uh, download speeds of 25 megabit per second, which they say is super fast because there's no throttling. But uh, I'm pretty sure it's bullshit. I'm pretty sure it's bullshit. So that's no good. There's no actual AT&T in the area. There's no uh, DSL in my area. There's no fiber optics in my area. There's nothing. There's just Xfinity controlling the fucking monopoly and saying, well, tough shit. And I know that because that's the rep said. The rep said, tough shit. Well, he didn't say tough shit. The execs told him tough shit. And he said, I said it to him. We say it to him. He said, there's nothing we can do about it. They take it under advisement because they're fucking assholes. Because the executives at Comcast eat dick. And they get paid good money to do it. So $90 a month. Okay, so what? Do the fucking math. That's like 1200 bucks. That's what? $1,000 a year just for internet? Blow me. But you And if you want to quit, to get that good price, you got to quit for two months before you can come back. So what do I do? Run off a hotspot? I could. The question is, is that hotspot going to be able to support the streaming that I do for the podcast and when I'm, and I'm, when I'm watching movies to review on the podcast? That's the big question. Because if it can, and if that, that hotspot will support the Spare Parts Studios, good. I'll kick fucking Xfinity to the curb for two months and then sign back up again. And then when Consolidated Credit or other, uh, Consolidated Communications or another company comes into town, I'll jump on ship with them. And for two months, I'll save almost 200 bucks and use that for, I don't know, something else. These are all things you have to take in consideration because there's so many ways for you to save money. You don't even realize it and they're right in front of you. And these are the things I consider. But the fact that they had the balls to treat new customers, we want your money, we'll give you cheap-ass internet. Existing customers, go fuck yourself. We don't care about your loyalty. We just want your money. You shut your fucking mouth. You pay out your hard-earned money to us. Or you don't get internet. How do you like them apples? That's the di- That's such dick. That's such a dick move. New customers, great. Existing customers, kiss my ass. And how do you like it? And there's nothing you can do about it. Especially in my area. It's a shitty way to treat customers. It really is. Shitty way to treat customers. Shitty way to treat friends. It's a shitty way to treat anybody, anything in general. I understand prices have got to go up. You got to pay your employees. But really, you got to pay your employees, and yet, but yet you're offering four different plans for half the price to new customers. Or you could do it all the same or something to that amount. But yeah, fuck the existing customers. And that's just for internet. I can only imagine the people that actually still are bored enough with life to watch fucking TV and they got to pay 120, 150, 200 a month so they can watch the Patriots or some shit. Scummy. It's a scummy way of doing business. And I'm talking directly to you, Comcast, and anybody else who 
thinks that it's a good idea to treat customers like that. Where you think just because you can overcharge them and get away with it that you do. That's no. Because when they find out how much you're fucking, they are fucking you, it makes it much easier for new clientele to come in. And as far as if this has anything to do with the uh, the whole FCC internet throttling net neutrality type thing, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. All I know is, is that's what they do to existing customers. And it's shitty that they do that. But I am more than happy for another large company. Like, for example, if American Airlines sucks, I'm perfectly happy, instead of the government stepping in because they can't fucking do anything right, I'm perfectly happy with Delta coming in with a brand new hub and saying, Get lost, America. These are American Airlines. These this is our fucking terminal now. You go ahead and take a hike. This is our airport. This is our terminal. And we're gonna bring in our hot ass flight attendants and our super duper pilots. We're gonna come in, we're gonna run this shit. And you could take a hike, American. So I I'm perfectly fine with another huge ass company coming in. As long as they treat their customers properly, they can come right on in and tell Comcast to kick fucking curb. I'm cool with that. They're willing, or some super freaking millionaire coming in and investing all his money and saying, I'm going to invest a shit ton of money in this area, and in the long term, this is going to be the return. And then that's going to be the then that's going to be the end of it. And then Comcast is immediately, because this is how the this is how this country works, is immediately the customers will immediately retaliate by switching over immediately. If they're not in a contract, they will bolt. Hands down. And that's a great way to lose business. That's a great way to bankrupt your company. You got to be good to your customers. And number one, you got to be honest with your customers. That's a shit way to do things. Next thing you know, those executives ain't got no money no more. So, yeah. I've said enough about Comcast. But yeah, they blow. And it says in my notes that they blow. One cheaper plan, one cheaper plan for existing customers... $10 $10 less, but that doesn't include the fees they put on top of it. So you're only saving maybe $4. And then four new cheaper plans. So fuck existing customers. Don't like it. Go without for, oh, yeah, go without for two months. The agent said the executives don't give a fuck. Makes, you know what? I believe him. Because if he really wanted to retain my business, he would have had access to do it. It's a douche way to run a company. But why am I not surprised? Mm. I'll tell you what's not douchey. Is this Cafe Bustello. What time is it? All right, 38 minutes in. That was a pretty good rant, I have to admit. I liked it. Hold on. I'm reaching for no- cup. Cup number two. While I figure this shit out with this stupid upping surcharge or whatever, or whether I'm able to quit, you can support this podcast and this spare part studio that I stream live from every week by going to positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Any amount is appreciated. Believe me. So yeah, Comcast blows. Delta's still awesome. I did catch a movie last week, actually. Uh, I want to do a quick movie review of Rambo uh, Last Blood. Now... I don't know what I was expecting when I went into Last Blood, but I was definitely expecting a gory, you know, violent flick. But I didn't realize how short it was going to be. 
it just happened. The movie was over so quickly. It got to the climax. It got to the big scene at the end so quickly. I mean, maybe it's because I'm used to watching longer movies. Like, It Chapter 2 was almost three hours. Infinity War and Endgame were three hours apiece. Movies just keep getting longer and longer. So to actually be in a movie that's in and out in 90 minutes, it felt even shorter than that. Like, Taken was 90 minutes. Taken was, you were, you were in and out. But that moved a lot quicker. This movie kind of dragged along a little bit. But I was expecting definitely a more made-for-TV type of Rambo as far as its pacing and its plot. Not definitely in, in, its, in its physical, you know, violent content. That didn't change. It was still violent in everything. But just by the fact that it was so short, it, it, it threw me out. It threw me for a loop. Like I was, and I, I would definitely have loved another 20, 30 minutes of fucking Rambo for sure. But he's getting, Stallone's getting old. He knows this. And he's treating his movies like that. As if he, you know, he's getting older. Things are different. But Rambo was always a guy who's struggled. If you don't know the character, John Rambo was a uh, Vietnam veteran. He was, you know, special forces, all kinds of, you know, big words and shit. And in the first one, he has some, you know, traumatic stress and he ends up getting fucked with by the co- local cops in the area. He's just a stray. He kind of just, he's, he, he's a, a wanderer. He wanders through the neighborhood. He was just passing by. They call him Drifter. And he, some things happen. He run and he basically escapes into the woods, comes back, blows up half the town. Doesn't really kill anybody. But through that process, you see how much hurt and anger and everything that he's actually carrying. And in the second and third one, he's used again as a military asset. But then again, screwed over in both situations. In the second one, he is supposed to hunt down. He's supposed to find POWs that are still left behind in Vietnam. And in the third one, he has to go rescue uh, his, his, his commander who gets caught by the Russians. But all these situations are based on actual true events, like an like a, a people when they came when uh, officers not officers but soldiers when they came back from Vietnam they were hated they were disgusted they were despised back then they were referred to as baby killers, and then in uh, so they weren't they didn't feel welcome when they came back, and in First Blood Part Two when he goes over there to Vietnam. Yeah, there were POW camps. There were people that were still stuck in, in camps. That movie came out for 1985. It was actually written by James Cameron, director of Avatar. 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 And so these were thing, actual things that were happening. Now, he interjected the Russians. I think the Russians was sort of a plot test twist for the movie. The third one was about the Russians invading Afghanistan. This was an actual thing. The Russian rebels, also known the... Afghani rebels known as the Mujahideen. This is an actual true thing. And they pushed the Russians out of the territory. So he interjects himself by trying to rescue his former commander. And there's more pain there and all kinds of other shit. But throughout this, it's there's a lot of true events in Rambo. There's a lot of emptiness. He just never feels like he belongs. And then after that, he disappears. They find him in Burma for, for part four. Or near Burma, down the down the river from Burma. Burma was a sh- fucking was a nightmare, or at least still was or is. But there was a massive Burmese genocide back in the day, and the way that that movie Rambo Four is 
violent, uncomfortably violent. And the way it's depicted, uh, yeah, it, it definitely haunts you. And it really pushes the reality of what's going on over there. And then the hurt and the anger that Rambo is going through when this movie takes place. And don't get me wrong, he fucks shit up in that movie big time. So, at the end of that, he actually ends up going home. He literally comes home. He goes back to, because he's from Yuma, Arizona, which is very close to the Mexico border. So there he finds some peace, whatever, but he's still dealing with the demons of a long road, a very long road back home, a place where he didn't expect to go. And then he finally finds some peace there, some people there that he can appreciate, family. And then that's when this movie takes place, and it's just more emptiness. You don't feel satisfied at the end of, of Last Blood, and I don't think you were supposed to. This movie made you aware of the Mexican cartel and how shitty... And, dis- and terrible they actually are. You get rid of the cartel, you get rid of a lot of the problems near the border, for sure. But the Mexican cartel, sex trafficking, drug trafficking, gun trafficking, fucking illegal Pez dispensers, you name it, they traffic it. And he deals with that firsthand. When his family gets involved, and then Rambo goes fucking nuclear. And that's... that last 15 minutes is basically what happens and he sends him a message but he doesn't stretch it out i think he just he treated it like an old 80s action movie with the true events of actually what's happening today with these drug cartels and he go and he goes and does his business and and closes the show the thing is though is that all the critics panned the shit out of it all the critics hated it and yet, over 80 to 85% of the audience liked it, loved it, which once again shows me the disconnect that Rotten Tomatoes has with its audience. They don't give a fuck about its audience. They're trying to cater to what they want to push, the agenda that they want to push. And remember what I told you a few podcasts ago. Rotten Tomatoes is owned by Fandango now. And I think so is MovieTickets.com. I mean, you saw the shit that they pulled with Dave Chappelle with his latest special. And they fucking, their critics pan the shit out of it, but the audience loved it. So the idea that they're doing, and Rambo's not a great movie. Rambo part three, uh, Rambo Last Blood, which is part five. It's not a great movie, but it's not a bad movie either. It's a, it's a three star, it's a three star movie, which I think will actually earn some merit down the road as far as its subject matter. It's just, it's like, consider watching Traffic, only shortened and Ramboized. <laughs> but it's a three-star movie, because it's a solid action flick. It's just not up there with Predator, and it's really not as good as uh, Part 4. But it has its merits in, what it, in the story that it's trying to tell. It just doesn't help when friggin' Rotten Tomatoes goes out there and tries to skew your judgment before you even see the movie. And they've been good at doing this. They did this with Captain Marvel. Uh, they did it a little bit with Black Panther. Black Panther wasn't wasn't a bad movie, but it wasn't was not a great movie. It was good, but they definitely tried to pander towards the crowd, uh, pander towards the critics that were in love with the movie. And they definitely pulled it off with the Last Jedi as well. So I'm trying to tell you this is that you can't trust Rotten Tomatoes anymore. They're 100 percent 
compromised by an agenda. So you can't go there anymore. If you really want to see a movie, go see it. Don't go to Rotten Tomatoes anymore to figure out whether or not you should go and spend your money. I get it. 10, 12, 15, 20 bucks. I mean, you think about it. You go to the movie theaters, you spend between 10 and $15 for a ticket. If you don't stop by the store beforehand to sneak in your Twizzlers, you're going to spend another $3, $4 on Twizzlers and another $4, $5 on some fucking soda. So right there is another 8 to $10. So now you're spending 22 bucks or something like that for food, drink, and movie ticket. Plus the drive there, which is no big deal. But saying all in all, you want to really invest. You want to really check before you go and see a movie. Well, that's the thing. It's a it's a bitch. It, it they don't do you any favors in figuring out whether you should go see this movie or especially if it's a big movie, getting your tickets ahead of time. Rotten Tomatoes doesn't do you any favors. Fandango doesn't do you any favors. So it kind of leaves us as the consumer, or you know, the people who actually enjoy this shit in a tough situation. So where do you go? IMDb. IMDb gets everything a seven. Netflix's viewer rating is weird because it's like either thumbs up or thumbs down. It used to actually be a you know a star rating. I don't know what it is now. So it sucks. It, it, it sucks that they have to go this route when they when they really should be focused on the audience because the audience is what determines whether or not this is it's actually worth seeing. Critics suck. They'll always fucking suck. They'll continue to suck. They sucked in the past. They give us no indication that they're going to get better. They're just bitter. Because they have no fucking talents. They have no talents. They're just upgraded bloggers. Okay? And once they get that star rating or certified critic, then they feel like they're justified in the bullshit that they spew on the internet. You know? I I mean, for example, Richard Roper. Great. I mean, for all in all, a decent critic. Uh, seems like a decent human being. But I'll never forget what he said about Aliens. Aliens, if you don't know, was the sequel to Alien. It, Aliens is the one that was uh, directed by James Cameron. And he called it a forgettable action flick. Huh? I'm sorry, what? One of the greatest sci-fi action movies of all time. Seriously. Better than the original Alien. Holds up more than the original Alien. And you're calling it forgettable? That's why you has a near perfect rating on Rotten Tomatoes. I don't know what it has now, but this is why you can't listen to critics. You really can't. I mean, it's, I mean, you could say shit about Adam Sandler movies, and the critics certainly have, but Adam Sandler's worth a billion fucking dollars anyways. So you can't listen to the critics. You can't go to Rotten Tomatoes. They're completely useless. But all in all, Rambo Last Blood, it's got a violent last 15 minutes, and it definitely builds up to, you know what's going to happen, it's definitely predictable, it's light on the heart of the matter, but you know what's going to happen, you're there for one reason only, to see Rambo kill people, and he does that, for sure. I mean, there's definitely a few dudes with missing heads in those tunnels that he he dug up. Um, but Rambo, three stars, it's in movie theaters now, and uh, yeah, go get him, Rambo. Let's see. So, let's see. Super short. I'm just going to check the... Blah, blah, blah. No survivors. and yeah, No survivors in Rambo's life. That's for sure. 
And he lives this, yeah, it's a sad struggle that he lives. Okay. We're at 51 minutes. So maybe I'll get to an article. I haven't even looked at the computer to the left of me. Okay. Yeah. Once again, Comcast. Kiss my ass. <laughs> so let me get the notepad out of the way. We'll jump over to the laptop. Uh, since this is a coffee podcast, I did want to run through CNET. Oh, CNET. We were light on the articles this week, but I did want to capture this one by CNET.com by Chowhound Staff. The I think that's just the name for a group of people uh, who with nothing better to do on CNET. They uh, came up with an article about the eight cool coffee gifts for the caffeine obsessed. Oh, gee, I wonder if this caters to me. Uh, some of the things, some of these things, I think are good. Some of them, probably not so much. So let me go through the article. You still, you might still be riding the third wave coffee movement if you can discuss the aromatic nuances and mouthfeel. I hate the fucking. Ugh. If you or if you prefer a region of coffee bean. If you made your own cold brew, cold brew at home, I still have a stuffy nose from last week, so bear with me. Or if you knew, unprompted, the National Coffee Day is fast approaching. Ha ha, you spelled coffee wrong. C-O-F-E-E. No, no, you missed an F, you fucks. Even if you're not a proud coffee snob, I kind of am, we know you jones for your java and to a lesser extent your leaves. Over half of U.S. adults, at 64%, drink at least one cup of joe per day, according to National Coffee Association research released last year. Wonder how many of those might have been matcha lattes. Uh, that's a stupid joke. When it comes to coffee, you may grind your own beans. I do. Use the pour-over method or the French press roast, roast. Route. I do both. Some are loyal to Starbucks. I quit them last year. While others traipse to your neighborhood cafe for your daily blend. Uh, not my daily blend, but I definitely have some places that I do prefer to go to. Shout out to Aroma Joe's and Cafe Lorraine. Or simply switch on your auto-drip coffee maker lazy pricks and let's see whatever your way is we've got some must-have items for you we know you'll stay awake for this or the lovable coffee obsessive in your life to celebrate national coffee day uh so the first one they have is a wax and wick espresso espresso scented soy wax candle with this 100 soy candle you can wake up to the rich warm smells of freshly roasted coffee beans espresso beans and the gentle crack of a wooden wick Ooh, hotness the uh, candles are made in 100 percent yeah, USA uh, wait, are made in the USA, natural soy wax, and are free of phthalates and dyes. The burn with a, they burn with a bright, consistent glow thanks to a double wooden wicks, one of which crackles for a cozy fireplace effect, and they last up to 60 hours. Now, I've said many things in the past. You can't eat soy. It's bad for you. Don't eat soy. I don't know how it is if you burn a candle with that's soy-based. I don't know. I have to see if you, you know, like secondhand smoke, if there's secondhand soy candle i'm not sure that sounds pretty cool this part this one i could totally vouch for though an aero latte milk frother this is the shit uh remember if you use a milk frother make sure you turn it off before you take it out of the cup otherwise you'll just spit coffee or whatever everywhere if someone on your list or you have a stovetop espresso machine or other fatherless unit and dig a latte every now and then, this handle immersion frother will allow for coffee shop quality beverages without the surcharge. I do recommend a higher quality one because the, the, the ones that just take batteries or whatever, they tend to break after a while. So like a rechargeable one wouldn't be a bad idea. All it is is basically just a, um, a vibrator that's, uh, instead of being designed for women, they just put a little spinny thing on the end of it and just 
it just whirs around in your coffee and whatnot. So it's a pretty simple setup, just spins, makes your coffee all frothy and tastes pretty freaking good, actually, in my opinion. It's perfect. It's a great little thing. Um, don't bend the stem, though. Otherwise, shit gets crazy in your coffee. Uh, if you're an on-the-goer, travel mugs. Yeti, they make the coffee. They make the coolers. They also make stainless steel traffic mugs with lids. If you're like me and need at least three travel mugs in circulation at any given time to make it for how often you leave them at work or elsewhere, this Yeti mug with handle will keep coffee contents hot as Hades. Oh, I see what they did there. For as long as it takes to drink them. But beware, this one is not great for drivers as it won't fit a standard coffee cup holder. Yeah, that sucks. I have one by Swell, a Swell bottle. Uh, and holy shit, does it keep stuff hot. But it fits perfectly in my Mustang uh, my, my Mustang uh, cup holders. The one in the front perfectly. Is the one in the front? Yeah, the one in the front. And it fits perfectly. And it keeps hot stuff really hot for really long. And stuff super cold for super long as well. That's by Swell. You can look them up. S apostrophe W-E-L-L. Check them out. And then, let's see. A ceramic drip brewer. Even if you've got a coffee system in place for a simple pour-over unit, can be great for making a quick cup of quick cup of coffee for yourself without brewing an entire pot. And pour-over drip brewers travel so you can make your coffee, your favorite coffee on vacation with no hassle. So if you don't make like three cups like a psycho like I do, and you just want like one little thing because you're kind of into the little stuff because you live in a tiny house and you're a tiny person with a tiny penis uh, with a tiny drinking problem, uh, I think that this ceramic drip, drip brewer, brewer would be good. It's $25 at Sur La Table. S-U-R La Table. You can go check that out. This is on CNET too. You can go and check it out. Just click on the links and shit. A copper kettle. Kettles are the bomb. If you can kettle, if you kettle brew, you're the shit. How about a warm copper kettle for the coffee obsessed or the sound of music obsessed? I'm not sure what that's all about. This this works well with any pour over unit like the one above or for tea and it's handsome as anything. Oh, it's if you're, yeah, okay, I, I get it. Uh, yeah, that's also, that's $99. Jesus Christ, it's expensive. Temperature controlled smart mug. Slow coffee drinkers with choice. This smart, I'm not a slow coffee drinker. Um, this smart mug keeps your coffee at whatever temperature you prefer for as long as you take to drink coffee with a built-in electric warmer. It can even be controlled from your smartphone via a proprietary app. Jesus. Via an app? Okay. $64 on Amazon. That's a bit much. Cat ceramic sugar bowl. Uh, that's a hard pass on that one. Oh, a coffee subscription. Yeah. This is where it all matters. If you love traveling around the U.S., checking out your local coffee scenes, a trade coffee subscription might be the perfect gift for yourself. They've got favorite roasters from across the country like Gimme, Sight Glass, and Intelligentsia, all delivered to your door. I said that quite well. Intelligentsia. All delivered to your door with a frequency that you choose. As far as subscription options go, you can get 12-ounce bags of classic blends for $25 total per delivery, $12.50 a bag. Or a single bag from one of 400 roasters for between 15 and 22 per delivery. Shipping included for both options. Remember that. And Trade takes you through a coffee, through a few coffee onboarding questions to suss out your preferred roasts. Like I'm a very big dark roast drinker and I prefer whole bean. So I like the boldness. And if you need ground coffee, they even let you select your usual brew method for the perfect grind size. And that's a, a Trade. So that's pretty cool. Like, for example, when I first got to start becoming a coffee snob or a coffee, not a snob, but enthusiast, 
I was a big fan of uh, ordering from Javalia. Javalia was, you know, if you're just getting into coffee and stuff, you can order from Javalia. They have the bags now in stores, but I was ordering anything I could possibly think of. Jamaican pea berry, uh, Jamaican mountain berry, or Costa Rican pea berry, or Kona, or Kenya, or all their bold, ro- bold roasts, their Christmas roasts, their hazelnuts, their vanilla blends, all of them Javalia. It was a little expensive, and you didn't get as much coffee, but they were all delicious. And I was that was back when I was ordering from Javalia. I still grab them from time to time, and you can get their whole bean, too, also at the stores. And you can grind it while you're there. But I have my own grinder, too. Not the app. The grinder at home. Uh, so, yeah, I'm a big fan of that. If you ever want to check that out, that's at Trade. This is the CNET article. Uh, as far as some of the prices go... Let's see. So I definitely do. If you are a coffee drinker, don't be lazy. Go and check out your favorite blends. The ones you like to drink every day that are relatively inexpensive. The other blends that you like to drink in the evening when you want to get jacked up for some, you know. Uh, and then as far as the prices go, the candle is 30 bucks on Amazon. I'm sure you can find it cheaper. It's uh, a W&W. It's a wax and wick. 100% soy. The Aero Latte Milk Frother was like 20 bucks. The coffee mug was 25 The ceramic drip brewer was 25 which isn't terrible. Copper kettles, they can range anywhere between 20 and like $100 million. This one was 99 at Sur La Table. Maybe I'll find it cheap at somewhere else. The smart mug was 64 The cat ceramic bowl, please don't. And then, of course, you, know, you can get subscriptions to coffee places. Like uh, there's ones that support veteran causes. There's one that Hugh Jackman just came out with that supports... Uh, the rainforests or some shit. So there's a lot out there that you can go and check out. Uh, there's the one, the boy, the guy that I need to reorder from, uh, El Colombiano, who sources his stuff. He goes down to Colombia from the to the to the actual farm to get his coffee. So you can go that. You can check that out, El Colombiano Coffee. You go and check that out. His his the scent of his roasts is amazing. So definitely check that out. That's my thoughts. Or if you just want to try out the shit that I'm drinking. Right now, I'm drinking Cafe Bustello, which is a diner coffee, basically. A whole blend diner coffee that I use either in a pour-over method or a dark... Ro- or a... What the fuck is it? French press method. And I drink it black. But it goes well with cream. And it's blended in... It's actually packaged and assembled in Miami. And it's a lot... And it's feels a lot like Cubano roast. And there's a special way that the Cubano coffee is made. But I just French press it or I do a pour over method, which is fine with me. So we are at one hour and two minutes. So I think we pretty much nailed that one today. I have somewhere to be at 530. I got a thing. So uh, that's pretty much it for today. We did the full hour successfully. I bitched about Comcast, which rightfully so. I talked about my behind the scenes mostly at Mill Valley in San Francisco, California, where basically it's 50% of the driver, 50% of the cars there are Teslas. And the other 50% are Ford Mustangs. Amazing contrast. So you can find me on uh, twitch.tv slash positive sarcasm one and facebook.com slash POS sarcasm. Every week streaming live on a podcast that you can find on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, Tune uh, IN, Tune In, uh, let's see, iHeartRadio, Fixer, or any, pretty much anywhere you can get podcasts, I'm on there. So. Like, subscribe, share, rate, review, do it all. And then, of course, 
you want to hit me up on the social medias, you can find me on Facebook.com slash Positive Sarcasm. You can follow me on Facebook.com slash POS Sarcasm. And then you can go on YouTube, subscribe to my channel, uh, Positive Sarcasm. Instagram, at Positive underscore uh, Sarcasm. But if you have any questions or concerns, you can contact me directly at my website for posing music, podcast questions, anything else. You can go to my website directly and contact me there. Go check out my blogs, my YouTube shit, and my event gallery and whatever else is there. So uh, I want to take the time to thank you all for listening, watching, subscribing. I will talk to you all next week. Streaming live from the Spare Part Studios, this has been a Positive Sarcasm presentation. To support this podcast, go to positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Any amount is appreciated. Once again, positivesarcasm.com slash donate.